Welcome to another episode of Feds of Enlightenment. As usual, I like to take this as my personal opportunity to welcome our guests because I know personally that they're coming with a couple of things very expensive to me, time. 24 hours is given to every man, every woman. How we respect time will tell me a lot about who you are. The other is the journey. The journey housed some powerful stuff that created us and it has created and who she is today. And so we want to welcome her that she's coming to share both of these priceless commodities. And we are honored that she's here to exchange wisdom, her energy, her knowledge, so that you and I can become better human spirits while we occupy this beautiful thing we call the rock. Thank you so much for coming to Threads of Enlightenment. Thank you for having me, Ken. I appreciate it. It is my honor. Tell the folks, how do you serve mankind? How do I serve? <laughs> well, I serve in a couple of different ways. I am a love and sex coach is my first way. And I'm actually for 26 years, a licensed massage therapist. So that's how I got into coaching was through massage therapy. Um, I had a clientele that loved to talk. <laughs> so I'm, I don't get the quiet clientele. I have a talking clientele. So I started coaching on the table with them. Yeah. And that's how my coaching experience began. So I do it on the physical, emotional, and spiritual level <laughs> coaching. Yeah, they, that's beautiful. They have a couple of um, skill sets that are out there that are natural um, coaches, if you will, a massage therapist, the bartender, and your hairdresser. <laughs> Dresser. <laughs> yeah, right there. That, so that, true. That crew right there can be some of the most powerful uh, coaches on this planet because they are trained all day long to, to become listeners and they are filled with wisdom. So welcome to Threads. One of the customs that we do here is to uh, go back into a time machine, if you will. We start with the young individual because I tell people that is the first space where we have a chance to spend some time. Uh, several years there with the family unit, we have mom and dad from whatever trauma they both had. They are now going to deposit data into you and I, and that space there helps create us, if you will. Welcome us to your family. What was that like to be a young one in your family? Um, it was a little chaotic. I come from a family of, uh, there are five of us, five children, five girls. I have four sisters. Uh, my mom and dad, my dad is passed on, but my father was a Korean war vet and he came home with PTSD. Wow. Um, so he carried that on throughout his lifetime. And he was, um, you know, an alcoholic. And my mom, she was, you know, codependent. And then she started, you know, drinking later. Yeah. So I, it was a, a, a chaotic household. It could be violent, abusive. Um, so, but it could be, and it was weird because then it could be fun and, and kind. It, it was very diversified. Um, the household. Yeah, that's uh, always the case because um, it's not 24 hours a day where it's torture in, in some cases. There's always 
glimmers of happiness and joy and so forth because um, that's how we are built. Now, this young girl, she's in this mix of your siblings, the uh, the energy of alcohol and the, um, the ups and downs with those type of energy and emotions and mindset. How was this young girl and uh, beginning to be formed, if you will, within that mix? She became uh, the people pleaser. She became the good girl because I had three older sisters yeah. and one younger. So I became the one I could see it. Yeah. I was very intuitive as a child. I didn't know what that was. Yeah. Um, but I was like, let me stay out of the way. So let me just be the good one, stay out of the way, do what was right. And my parents were self-employed and I became their bookkeeper. So when I was 14, my mother had me itemizing. I didn't know what I was doing. She yeah. just, you know, she had me do. So I would serve. I served that way was to, you know, be in the business. Yeah. But that's where I got my love of being self-employed. It's a great of gift. Having my own. Yes. A... I learned the ups and the downs because yeah. they were in construction. So yeah. You, you know, it, it was hard. It was hard at times. It was up and down because that's what construction is. Yeah. Um, you know, and there was hardship. My father had um, cut off his fingers in one of the tractors. Oh. So I remember as a young girl, he was an amputee with his broken thumb, all his fingers cut off on one hand. But it didn't stop him. Yeah. You know, he just persevered. I remember he couldn't button his buttons on his shirt and we did as children we would button his and tie his shoe yeah. until he could learn which he did learn but in the beginning we just it was so natural to yeah. us yeah. you know you just tie his shoe you button his buttons what what he needed help before he learned all of that on his own some powerful Again. lessons to learn as a young individual there's always and I tell people, there's always beauty within the darkness. Um, yes. And it is how you you look into that darkness will determine how long you stay within that darkness. And looking into that darkness means that your perception of it, and once you uh, are able to uh, change and the perspective of it, you will come out a lot faster. So here's this girl learning a couple of really powerful things, the entrepreneurial spirit, that uh, tenacity of keep pushing on, the fact that she is now beginning to learn how to serve um, even you know, to her dad, where she is um, looking not for praise, but just giving. She is now starting mm -hmm. to experience these things. As she's moving through life, and, and this young girl that has been exposed to entrepreneurship, how did she look at college? Did she look at it as a place to go or did she get in another direction? What did she do having that information at 14 years old? I had very old fashioned parents. So their message was we had to graduate high school mm -hmm. and then we had to find a husband. <laughs> You were not allowed to leave the house. College was out, you yeah. know, really high school was the goal. Yeah. And um, we weren't allowed to leave the house 
as single women unless we were married. Wow. Like you couldn't get your own apartment. You couldn't. It just wasn't happening. Um, at least that's the message I received. Yeah. I don't know what my other siblings <laughs> got. So then what happened is like you want to leave the household. Mm -hmm. So you now are in search for a husband. Wow. You know, that was the trajectory is get the husband, have the children, get, you know, have the house, the picket fence, all of that. And that's what I did at 21. I was married. Wow. That is, I've done several of these um, interviews and, and that's the first time I heard we were a family. That was the, um, that was the ticket out <laughs> to, to, leave, <laughs> to leave the house. You, you're not leaving here unless you grab a man. So you grabbed your man, if you will. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and you're moving through life. You're now independent from the family. Um, your space. That, kind of. Kind, kind of. Because of, you're, you're still in that alcoholic mindset. Yes. You really are. I'm, I'm, I'm branching out. Mm -hmm. Like I knew there was something odd happening in my family. Yeah. But I was still like, okay, I'm still connected, but still out. I'm still getting reaching out yes you're reaching out as you state and as you reached out and you're now in your home with your man um what was happening to Anne, that woman that is there this entrepreneur that was exposed to that and um the servant young girl is also exposed to that what was happening to her with your man in your house very interesting what was happening. I'm actually, I'll get to the, I'll tell you the end yeah. before I get to there. I am actually a widow. My husband, we were both, we were both married at 21. By 29, my husband had passed on. Wow. But in between was confusion. I had no idea who I was. Yeah. I had no idea how to manage this marriage, how to manage being in a relationship. It was the second person I had ever, man I'd ever been with. Um, all I saw as my model for a relationship was confusion, combative, um, very little affection. So I was seeking similar. Yeah. I, I didn't know that's what my model was. Yes. But I did know the first time my husband got angry at me and threw something along not at me well it was probably at me but alongside me i had left the household and i came back and i said to him i told you i lived my childhood like this i will not live my adulthood like this and that was the last ever that ever happened yeah i tell people life and is a series of decisions just like that but yeah. the decision usually is not a head logical decision. It's deeper than that. It is a core decision. When you say it, you know that it is more so of a being. Your entire being agrees mm -hmm. with what you're saying. And the and individual in front of you <laughs> is he, going to he know. Knew, he knew it. Exactly. He really, really, he yeah. heard it. He knew it. He got very scared yeah. and he apologized. And then we became the fun couple. Yeah. 
Then we were like off to the races. Yeah. You know, my my husband and I, we both drank and our, you know, we both were big drinkers. It became a party. Yeah. My relationship was a party now. Yeah. And so um, I think because we are familiar with that type of energy that we came out of, mm -hmm. we usually go to it because we gravitate to it because it's it's something we're familiar with. Familiar. A, we know no so, different. Yeah, there's a certain comfort, even though there's chaos, there's certain comfort there that we are uh, comforted by until we get to that space, like you said. And you made that decision, an internal decision that is expressed. That individual in front of you will know that this came from a different place. So here you guys, the fun couple, you're partying, drinking, having all this fun. And um, you now, because I know you were exposed to some stuff as a young child. And there's this, um, there's always this restlessness. And sometimes it takes years to manifest, but this restlessness Many. just sits there. And when we go to sleep or when we are quieted, it will begin to try to raise its head and then we will shut it down. Talk to me as to what was happening to you and as you're partying and uh, moving through your life. Well, that's exactly what was happening for me. It was like, there's, there's got to be more here. There's got, uh, there, uh, I kept getting, I was very unsettled. Even my sex life was terrible with my husband. I kept saying, there's more, isn't there more here? Isn't there, I, I said to him, we, there's something missing. <laughs> <laughs> and he was like, no, it's good, you know. <laughs> I'm like, no, there's, I'm so, there's just something wrong. I just knew something was so off yeah. in my life. And the other factor here was my husband could not keep a job. Yeah. I was the sole breadwinner. This is before I became an entrepreneur. Um, You know, I had, I, I, I had really good careers and, but I was always so restless. Like I was, I'm a good employee. Now I'm a bad employee, but I was always so good yeah. at the job, but I'm like, what is missing here that I'm, I was so unfulfilled. So I was just really unfulfilled all the way around. And then there was a tragic accident and my husband died. And then that's when life really got like, wow, what is one day you're married and yeah. you're going in this direction. The next day you're not. Yeah. And your whole life you're, I'm young, I'm 29. I'm like, what's happening for me? What, where do I go next? And I remember sitting on the floor of my living room and it was a moment of despair. It, uh, it's not suicidal, but it was really deep despair. And I said, God, is this all there is for me? Is, is this it? Yeah. And when I asked that question, it was like things started to open up. New people came into my life, experiences. Life really got fun. Yeah. And it, it got challenging and it, I was able to discover, and I always say through my husband's death, he gave me the gift of me Yeah, Precious. because I, I took that time and went out and explored myself. That's precious. Um, to recognize it as such, 
again, and I, I want to point out to people, uh, life is a series of decisions, <laughs> but the decisions are made from the internal you. And there's a listener. <laughs> Your husband wasn't there, but there was a listener there. Mm -hmm. And the listener heard what you said. And just like your husband responded, that invisible yes. listener responded and began to bring into your space newness of life. So here you are, you mm -hmm. have this gift. I know you didn't recognize it then, but you are given an opportunity to get to know you. You're on the floor. You made this declaration and what did you do how did you begin to stand up to become i actually had um a friend come into my life it was an older gentleman we met through work um and he was my mentor mm -hmm. he was my guide you know we would talk on the phone for hours we never met for like four years but he would spend time with me and I'd say, well, you know, I really would like to try this. And he said to me, well, why don't you go try it? Yeah. And I said to him, well, I'm really scared. He says, okay, so why don't you go try it? I'll be here waiting for you. <laughs> you come back and you'll tell me. I'm like, great. <laughs> and that's how every door got open for me. I want to try this. Okay, but I'm scared. Yeah. He would. This, we would do the same thing over and over. And I would just keep going out and trying new things. And that was my first coach. <laughs> you know, he was my mentor. I yeah. can, I look back and I'm like, oh my God, I've been coached my whole life. <laughs> <laughs> so here you are, you have your first coach and you are going out and try it, if you will. Um, what started to happen to you, the young woman that was going out and tried, as you said, internally, um, what did you start to notice? I became very hungry. I was hungry for information. I was hungry for change. I was hungry for different. Um, the spiritual world opened up for me. Uh, I started meditating. Um I had actually gone, my in-laws at the time had gone to a psychic and they're like, go see this woman. Yeah. Um, I'm like, oh, I'm so scared. I don't want any of that. No, no, go see her. Would you not believe this woman ended up being my aunt's cousin <laughs> and we didn't put it together till after the reading, yeah. but she was so lovely. And, you know, believe what you want about psychics. Um, but she told me things that nobody knew. Yeah only between my husband and myself. And I walked away with such relief, like, okay, he's doing good. Because I had a lot of guilt, Yeah, uh, you know, how my husband's death went down. I had a lot of guilt about it. And I'm like, okay, I'm relieved. You know, it's, it's okay. I can, you know, it's okay for me to go out and have a life. Yeah. And as you go, you went out and you released, that's a great, um, when we carry those type of burdens, especially guilt, guilt can be mm. a hard taskmaster, if you will, that can, and it's very relentless. It will not give you a chance to rest 
when you are busy, it's there. When you are not busy, it's there. So you mm -hmm. had an opportunity to part ways, if you will. And you yes. have parted ways with guilt and you're now looking at your life. And wow, that must have been a good uh, view as you're looking ahead. Guilt is gone. How did you begin to celebrate that as you're moving through life now? I went to massage school. <laughs> I, I loved body work. I loved receiving reflexology, body work. Um, we weren't a very big touchy feely family at all. Mm -hmm. And I had a friend say to me, she said to me, a friend at the time, why don't you go to massage school? And I said to her, what happens if I don't like it? She says, well, then it's, you don't like it, but you've tried. I'm like, okay, <laughs> off I went. <laughs> and my parents at the time had a winter home in Florida. Mm -hmm. I up and sold everything in New York. I took my cat, went to Florida and went to massage school. <laughs> <laughs> what part of Florida did you go to for your massage school? Tampa. Tampa familiar with it. Tampa. I was in Orlando, yep. lived there for a couple mm -hmm. of years. So here you are, you made that jump. <laughs> and I like it because uh, we call that jump, the walk of faith. Now you're about to explore. You're like looking at it. I'm, I'm, I'm free. Let me see where this takes me. As you now began, you landed in Florida, you are looking for the school, you found your school and you're in class. How did you feel, Anne, as you're standing there in class, uh, drinking all this information and data about the human body? How did you start feeling? I was amazed. I was 35 mm -hmm. and there were a lot of older students at the time. You know, there were young ones, but yeah. there were people my age too and older. So it was a grand mix of people. And I'm like, cause you know, I was not good in science in school. Um, but I'm like, okay, but I'm, because I'm older yeah. and I really wanted to do this, I did very well. I could focus and did very well, um, as I went to school. Mm -hmm. So it was a very interesting experience. And now you're out of school. You're about to start your, <laughs> your employment and become a, mm -hmm. um, a, a coach and not know it. So you're there with your clients and you're learning all your body mechanics and all the other things so that you won't lose your mind as you are um, exchanging energy, because all of that is just manipulation of energy. As you begin to live that lifestyle, bring into your space meditation, the, um, all of the mindset that comes within that space, if you will, internally and what was happening to you as far as an individual? Well, I have to tell you, at 26 years ago, massage therapy was not as popular as it is today. Yeah. And I was caught when I said to my parents, I was like afraid to tell them I'm going to go to massage school because it was so weird and yeah. so different. You know, I'm coming home with tattoos. I'm <laughs> meditating. My poor father's like, what is going on with you? And uh, I said to him, now I want to go to massage school. He goes, I, I don't want to know. <laughs> I just don't want to know. <laughs> I had gone a couple years before that. 
I again I visited their home in Florida. Yeah. They had a summer home. And I went down there and I'm on the beach lane and in my earphones I hear Bermuda three nights, five, four days, that's $150. It was really cheap. And I'm like, oh, I'm gonna go. And I booked the trip. I went to a travel agent, booked the trip. I could get in the country with my driver's license, but I had to have my birth certificate to get out of the country. Yeah. I call my mother from Florida, mom, you have to federal express my birth certificate to the Bahamas. She goes, hold on a minute. I'm going to put your father on the phone. She says to me, I'm like, dad, I'm going to the Bahamas. Can you federal express my birth certificate to me? He goes, can you not just stay put? I said to him, no, no, dad, I'm going to the Bahamas. He just didn't, my poor father didn't stand a chance with me. So when I said I'm going to massage school, he's like, I don't want to know. Yeah. Just go. <laughs> they really had a hard time with it. So I come back to New York, yeah. open up my practice, and I start massaging. Yeah. And now I'm learning, you know, I had done a lot of work ahead of time um, on my, you know, spiritual beliefs, life, what. And now I could incorporate it with my people, you know, my clientele. And that's where I really realized I had one guy say to me one time, this is the only place I can come and have an hour of peace yeah. where I can truly be myself. And I said, and that was like, ding, ding, ding in my yeah. head. Like, Anne, you're providing a sacred space for people. Please honor mm -hmm. that and don't take advantage. Yeah. You know, so that really, that statement, it stuck with me. And I really um, do that to this day, that when people walk in my space, it's it's an honor yeah. and it's sacred. And what they tell me and what we share um, is just that. Yeah. And people don't have a place to go and be their authentic selves, unfortunately. Not in this society. So, Right. And I was able to provide that. But, you know, I was called, you know, my my family would call me weird. You're strange. Yeah. You know, oh, that's my aunt. You know, she's the weird one. And I'm like, mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. I come home with the tattoos. You know, my father's like, what are you doing now? <laughs> he just <laughs> and I remember before a few months before he died, I felt so bad for my father. We were at another uh, cousin's funeral and he, him and I were in the back of the funeral home. And he says to me, do you think you'd get married again? I said, dad, I'm, I'm open to the idea I'd get married again. I says, but just not right now. <laughs> I says, look, I'm really good. I have my business. I'm having fun. I'm supporting myself. I says, I'm really good. And I think that gave him relief because he was so old fashioned yeah, where yeah. the man takes care of the woman, yeah. you know, that's how he was that he just wanted that for his daughters. And I was the only one unattached yeah, yeah. at that time. And it was really hard, but I could see the peace of mind he had when I said that to him, that I'm good, dad, I really am. That is awesome gift to give to your dad. Um, because as parents, you know, how, they tend to uh, worry or be concerned. So here this woman is, um, as I mentioned to you earlier, 
that invisible fence that they try to keep us uh, in the other camp, if you will, is normal. You have to be normal. And those outside of the normal fence, they label, you know, the weird, anti, the, this and that, because you're not conforming to them and their belief. And so anything outside is weird, you know, abnormal, if you will. But for me, I think, yeah. I think those that are not in that other fence with 90%, I think we are the normal ones. I think they are the abnormal ones, because if you, it's abnormal not to know who you are and die that way. I think it's more normal to get to know who you are personally as an individual on this planet, you know, as to you were offered life. Why? What can I learn about me? What is my contribution while I'm here? There's some deep questions that each and every one of us ought to ask and uh, take the time uh, to get the answers because it will open your life and open your mind to some powerful stuff. So here you are, you are this single woman, get your own stuff. You got your business. You got the, uh, the awakening as to the place of honor and your practice is a safe place by which one can come and be. How did you move now? And from massage therapist, um, heading towards the sex aspect of your uh, uh, movement. Well, I had to, because I mentioned earlier, my sex life was so shitty. (laughs) I was like, I am not going to get into another relationship and not understand the physiological side of myself. And I learned, I learned, it was a lot of trial and error. I had a lot of fun. I'm (laughs) going to tell you, I had a lot of fun. I experimented my forties, you know, I enter therapy in my forties and I think uh, therapy is for the courageous, courageous person. So in my forties now I'm having a good time, you know, I'm drinking, I'm whoring. And I said to my therapist, I said to her, what is going on? I'm a little concerned, you know. She says, do you know Do you know what's happening? I said, nope, what's happening? She says to me, you're going through your teenage rebellion years. Yeah. She says, you were never allowed to do that. She says, you're doing it in your 40s. And I said to her, oh, this is great. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's so much fun. So once I... Because you can't skip ages of development. You can't skip stages of development. They're going to come back and get you. So that's what happened. That's what my 40s were about. And then it was like, okay, I'm done with this. And here I'm now into my 50s. And uh, in my 50s, I had it. I had my own home, a car, a thriving business. But I was still unfulfilled. Mm -hmm. And I read the book, Eat, Pray, Love. And I'm like, oh. I'm going to do this. (laughs) I up and sold everything. I traveled for two years extensively. Oh my God. I recommend, please travel. Please, 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 please travel. I recommend Outside of this country. I recommend it highly. Outside of this country. When you can't speak the language, when you, you will understand when people are in this country and they cannot speak the language, when you're in another country and you cannot speak the language, 
and you feel so helpless and people come and help you, you are so grateful. Yeah. When they apologize, they don't speak good English. I'm like, oh, oh no, 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 I'm in your country. Do not apologize to me. Uh, it was such a growing experience. Um, you know, I was in India for seven months, uh, no, seven weeks. I was in Brazil for nine months. I was in Europe for many months. I have a niece in England I would come in and out of. Um, it was a phenomenal experience. Yeah. So then I come back. It's my late 50s. I'm like, what am I going to do now? You know, reopen my practice. And here we are again. And then COVID hits. Yeah. And that's when I decide to become um, a love coach and a sex coach. Yeah. I went back to school, 330 hours. I spent getting educated. And here I am. <laughs> here I am now talking. You know, I'm now in my 60s. And I talk a lot about perimenopause and menopause, yeah. how it affects your sexuality. Um, because it does. It's such an intense phase for women. Um, and we don't talk about it enough, but I think within the next five years, you're going to see the big resurgence mm -hmm. about educating the public about this process for women, because menopause literally changes your brain chemistry. Yeah. Like you feel you're losing your mind because it's changing your brain chemistry. So when women know this, that this is actually happening, you can seek solutions to help you through the process. When you have no sex drive, you can understand why the what's happening in the process. And you can come out, you can absolutely thrive during it, after it. It's you're just changed. Yeah. You're just changed and it's for the better. When you had you had mentioned it uh, briefly about um, <clears throat> getting a therapist. When you got that therapist and and you began to excavate you uh, from the conversations that you were having with that therapist, what were some of those things that you began to discover about you? What were some of those um, beliefs that you had? What were some of those traumas that you discovered? And how did you begin to incorporate tools to help you to move through them because a lot of people um we discover much when we begin to have those conversations with a uh, therapist and with a coach and uh, we have to deal with the discoveries that we um unearth how did you uh what did you discover and how did you move yourself through it the process <laughs> is slow it is not an overnight transition. It's layer after layer after layer. I went, my therapist, I'm very lucky. I have the same therapist. I visit occasionally now when I can't figure something out. But I went every, for two years, I went every week because there was just so much there yeah. um, to be excavated and to understand all the way back from childhood why I acted like I act. And I still am discovering. So it, it's a painful and liberating process. Yeah. Um, and you have to recognize you're not perfect. Your parents certainly are not perfect. They come with their own trauma, generational trauma, 
it just gets keep passing down and down and down. I mean, and that's, and then I realized after two years, I said to my therapist, I'm ready. Yeah. She goes, you're ready that I, I was ready to go out and fly. And that was her philosophy. She's going to give me the tools and I'm going to go out. I'll know when it's time. And then I would come back for maintenance. And that's how it's been for many years. What were some but of those tools and that she gave you? Um, there's so many. The, the difference between being disconnected and, um, oh my God, the word is just slipping my mind. I used to say to her when I was becoming healthier yeah. and not codependent yeah. and realizing, um, I said to her, I feel very, um, um, like ice. I feel like I'm, she says, no, that's, you're just setting boundaries. Yeah. She says, these are what boundaries are there. You don't know what they are because you've never experienced them. Everything was so enmeshed yeah. Yeah. in my life. I was so enmeshed with people. And I had to learn, and I'm still learning how to not enmesh myself with people, yeah. um, to set clearer boundaries. And I also um, ha have food is my, you know, is my is my go to is my soothing. Yeah. That's the one thing my mother would soothe herself was food. Yeah. And, you know, I learned and I still struggle with that today. Um, with food yeah. a year ago, I not, I stopped drinking a year ago and it was not, my body didn't, the, the process of menopause, my body didn't want any of that anymore. Mm -hmm. And I was like, okay. And I just, no rhyme or reason. It, and I, it was like fabulous. I'm like, okay, I have no desire to have alcohol. Yeah. And I was the party girl. I <laughs> was like the fun one, you know? Yeah. So it, all these, as you start to really get in touch with yourself, you realize all what does no longer serve yeah. you. So let me walk with me through this, because as a woman, I'm sure that is a major adjustment coming from the vantage point of a woman. And I am not that. And that is why I'm asking this question as a woman. And I, pardon the expression that was drinking and a whoring, um, when you started to transition, uh, and towards menopause and menopause brings that, uh, drastic change, uh, even in, uh, in your mind and physical, uh, aspect, how did you transition to that, um, did you feel less than how did you manage that transition because um maybe a lot of women may come down on themselves or whatever <clears throat> again because i am not on that vantage point could you speak to that um as a woman one i got tired of my own behavior i you know the definition of insanity yeah. keep doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results i got tired of it I was just like, this isn't serving me. Yeah. And I was afraid to let it go some of yeah. it because uh, I didn't know what would replace it. Um, but I had, I took the leap of faith. I threw my perimenopause, it started at 47 for me. I kind of was okay, except for hot flashes. 
um, I kind of sailed through perimenopause. Mm -hmm. I was, you know, and it, 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 I was okay. It was highly sexual through there. But what hit for me was a year ago was after it was menopause where I was like, I, I don't feel like myself. Yeah. I lost that, that juiciness about myself, that vibrance. Um, I just, I didn't know who I was. I felt like I was literally losing my mind mm -hmm. with anxiety and depression. I'm like, what is happening to me? Uh, I, it was just so drastic. Yeah, yeah. It was just so drastic of a change. And that's when I started to really start doing a lot of research and understanding what was happening for me that I had basically all the estrogen had left my body. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, oh, that's, and I said to my doctor, I feel like all the estrogen has left my body. Like I'm old all of a sudden, my body aches and pains. I hurt, I'm depressed. She says to me, well, that's what happens. That's part of the process. And I said to her, doctor, that's not true. <laughs> that's not, that's not true. So I had to take it upon myself to educate myself. Yeah you know, what about hormone replacement therapy? Why are we not talking about this? You know, I'm not sleeping. Where's my sleep? And I was the best sleeper. <laughs> it was like overnight, I stopped sleeping. Yeah. If you're not sleeping, it is terrible. Yeah. It yeah. is a terrible phase. Um, nutrition, hormone. So, but in July, this year has been health-wise, July, uh, yeah, July, uh, end of May, I had uh, a leg injury. Mm -hmm. And I said to my sister, oh, it was Memorial Day. I said, I can't help, you know, she was having a gathering. I can't help, I gotta put my leg up. She looked at it and it was red and swollen. She goes, you better go have that looked at. That's not, that's not normal. Yeah. Okay, long story short, I had a blood clot. Wow. I actually had two. And I was diagnosed with a hereditary blood clotting disorder wow. in July. And I'm like, you're kidding me, right? <laughs> Where is this coming from? You know, I've had it my whole life and it's activated now. Why now? Yeah. Then I hurt my knee. Uh, I mean, it's, it was just a horrendous, a horrendous time this year. But I finally fought. I'm on hormone replacement therapy. Yeah. I educated myself. I fought with my doctors, um, but I found a gynecologist that would write yeah. the script for hormone replacement therapy. I'm feeling much better. My knee has been rehabbed. I'm actually back to almost my normal activity. And, um, but it, it was a very isolated yeah. year for me. This is where I had to go. I'm like, okay, so things are very different for me. I'm starting, you know, I want to retire from massage and I'm pushing, you know, really focusing on my sex and love coaching to um, really make the transition. And I'm going through all these health issues. Yeah. So I only, I had a limited amount of energy and I could really only work and rest. Yeah. That's, that's all my body would allow. And now that I'm feeling better and I've moving forward, I, um, 
I had lost, I realized I had lost some of my gratitude. I had lost my, I I just was not grateful. And I'm like, where is this? What happened to Anne? Where did Anne go? So I started in my business, a a pleasure and gratitude challenge. Hmm. And I did it basically for myself so that I could have myself accountable with my clients. So that's what I'm doing now. And it's really, you know, between all the, you know, other aspects that I'm doing in my life. And and this is really starting to snowball. Yeah. It's rolling in a really nice direction again for me, where I'm really starting to feel like myself, yeah. but different. Speak and to those, and I know you just did, but I want you to um, singularly focus on it for a moment because there's a lot of women that are in this space. There's a transition. There's a, I think it's about a million or two uh, people that are uh, turning 65, and there's a high percentage of those that are women within that population that will be going through that transition. And you mentioned a couple of things, again, at a at 65 and dealing with depression and and the unknown unknown when it comes to this aspect of walking in to menopausal uh, part of your life what is that singular advice or advices that you would give to that individual and i love the fact that you told you said to yourself you need to be grateful within it what is a singular advice uh, would you give to someone that is there right now and is be just, you know, overwhelmed, if you will, and at what's happening to them? I think you have to acknowledge where you are and it's normal. Accept it. It's okay. Don't try to fight it. Um, just one, accept where you are because things can't change unless you accept where you are. Um, and really, you know, feel what you're feeling and then start to become your own advocate. How do you want to see yourself? Because this process starts at age 30, as young as 35, women will spend a third of their life in menopause. So how do you want to live the rest of your life? And that's what I ask myself. How do I want to live the rest of my life? I did not want to walk around feeling aches and pains. I did not want to feel like I was an 80-year-old person. So I really dug deep. Um, I, I want to be a sexual thriving person. How am I going to how am I going to match all of these things together? And it was not again an overnight process. It's trial and error what works. And you know there's it's it's nutrition, it's exercise, it's sleep, it's hormone replacement therapy, and it's supplemental. And you have to find within those realms, you have to find what works for you. You have to apply and it's trial and error. And that's what I've been doing this year is trial and error. What is going to make me feel whole? But I had to get my mind back in the game. In order to do that, I had to get some assistance with some of those areas. Um, You know, the alcohol was not my friend. My nutrition was not my friend because you know, for me, the, the, my favorite foods of sugar and, you know, all of, all of that would instantly make me depressed, more depressed. Yeah. 
So I had to choose if I'm going to eat this typical food, it's going to aid in helping me feel more depressed. Uh, do I want to do that? No, I don't want to do that. So I've gotten down to the point where when it comes to food, if I have this, I know what the results are going to be. Do I want to do yeah. it? No, I don't. And that's a hard, you know, it, it's an easier call for me. But in the beginning, it was really hard. Like, but I want to eat that food. Yeah. You know, it's my soothe. It's my comfort. It's my lover, you know, and it really wasn't. It was just blocking me from getting where I wanted to go. So acknowledge where you are and then start to look to the experts, do your research. I mean, I have a whole free menopause guide on my website to get you started because I understand how we've been led a lot of misinformation about hormone replacement therapy for women. There was a study that came out in 2002, the Women's Health Initiative, yeah. and basically it's been debunked and it says hormone replacement therapy causes breast cancer. It does not. And the study was all wrong. And we've been for 20 years now, women have suffered from this because our hormones were taken away from us. So, and, and before this, the hormone replacement uh, therapy was number one or number four prescriptions written in the United States. Wow. Uh, we're yeah. we're going to so provide all of that. And I want to provide, we're going to provide those links so that they can have okay. access to you because it is, um, and Anne had mentioned it, that it will be growing. It will be getting a larger, um, uh, I guess, more people getting into that because, as again, I said, I know it's, it's somewhere about uh, a million or two million people that are hitting that 65 mm -hmm. in uh, retirement. And as I mentioned, there's a great amount of uh, a percentage that are women there that will be dealing with this. I know my yes. sister, uh, my sister is, uh, she was in her twenties when she had her menopause. So mm, she, um, young. she mm. was young and we saw what that did to her at that time. There was not anything information for such a young person going through menopause. Right. And mm -hmm. she had a tough, tough journey um, walking that path. But yeah, I know I've seen some of that with my eyes, with my sister. And so we are going to provide all of these things for you guys to have access to Anne because she has, she has some information that is able to help you and assist you to walk you through the different um, uh, minefields that you will be within. Yeah as you're uh, navigating through that space. So here you are. And go ahead, go ahead, uh, Anne. And all of my information is from doctors. Yeah. It's not my personal opinion. Uh, thank God we have some Gen Xer doctors that are on this. And I've basically taken a lot of their information and compiled mm -hmm. it so that you have a starting place. So you don't have to do what I had to do yeah. um, to get where you wanna go. So here you are now, you're in your, <clears throat> I'm not going to say, and um, <laughs> I'm going to let you, I'm, I'm going to let you say I'm it. I, I'm going to let you say it. That's what, you know, I'm going to respect <laughs> your space and let you say it. So um, 
you are here and you have transitioned to the sexual part of that uh, life now. How do you feel uh, being there? You are no, no longer whoring. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> no. <laughs> you are in a space where you are you and you are whole. How does it feel and to be whole and uh, dealing uh, and educating others as to their sexuality in this space? How does it make you feel as a servant being there, um, bringing that information to others? It, um, it's gratifying that I can help others have what they want. Yeah you know, and with their sex life, their relationships. Um, but I, I find for me, I have to walk my talk, yeah. you know, to be authentic, people know. So I always walk my talk and that makes, just makes me a better practitioner, yeah. uh, I believe, but it, it really is fulfilling that, um, you can help people in this way. And when they when they email you and say thank you for all you do, I'm like, oh, isn't that nice? Isn't that nice? So yeah, it's you know you give and you get. Yeah. I've been. I, it's the cycle. It's just the cycle. It's a great place to be, isn't it? It's a great place to live. Mm -hmm. um, and I always yes. tell people the servant lifestyle is just beautiful stuff. You need to get here. I tell. I invite people all the time. Hurry up and become a servant. There is nothing like it, um, but it's going to cost you something. It's going to cost you much because you're going to have to go through your own personal journey and you're going to have to come out mm -hmm. and then you will be able to serve because you will become a lover of self first. And when you love yourself, forgive yourself, empathetic with yourself, patient with yourself, you will be patient with others because you know how of a pain in the ass you were and uh, how you were able to forgive you and you will be able to forgive someone else when they stand before you and you will bow and be able to honor them to give them the space to become as you were given that state space to become one of my favorite say uh phrase that i say uh people ask me what are you doing can um, i would tell them and i am becoming I love that. <laughs> it is. It's really good. And so I welcome you guys, those that are listening to this wonderful conversation. We want to invite you to become. Start your journey, those that haven't begun the journey of self-development. It is a beautiful journey. It is mm -hmm. um, one that is priceless. It is one that will be tough. There is one that will be rewarding. It is all in all. It is messy, it's beautiful, and it will carry you through to the end of your days until you walk into that next uh, space, that next uh, development, arena of development that you will continue in. So I want to thank you guys for coming and listening to Anne and I. We're going to provide everything for you to get access to her. I invite you to go into her space, become acquainted with her. I always tell people, become a disciple. Disciple are those that are coming to get discipline. And when you come yeah. to get discipline, you will become a changer of the world. There was this uh, gentleman by the name of Jesus Christ. He had 12. 
and look what they did. So um, become a disciple, become disciplined in your life as you walk through your journey because you will change others. Thank you so much, Anne, for coming to Threads of Enlightenment. Thank you for having me, Ken. I really enjoyed it. Thank you so much.